0: section three of celebrated crimes volume four part three nisida by alexandre dumas translated by george burnham ives this librivox recording is in the public domain section three gabriel has been condemned the news of the high-born prince of broncolione's death so young so handsome and so universally adored not only fluttered the aristocracy of naples but excited profound indignation in all classes of people he was mourned by everybody and a unanimous cry for vengeance was raised against the murderer the authorities opened the inquiry with alarming promptness the magistrates whom their office called to judge this deplorable affair displayed however the most irreproachable integrity no consideration outside their duty no deference due to so noble and powerful a family could shake the convictions of their conscience History has kept a record of this memorable trial, and has no reproach to make to men which does not equally apply to the imperfection of human laws. The appearance of things, that fatal contradiction which the genius of evil so often here on earth gives to truth, overwhelmed the poor fishermen with the most evident proofs. Trespolo, in whom fear had destroyed all scruples being first examined as having been the young prince's confidant, declared with cool impudence that his master having shown a wish to escape for a few days from the importunities of a young married lady whose passion was beginning to tire him had followed him to the island with three or four of his most faithful servants and that he himself had adopted the disguise of a pilgrim not wishing to betray his excellency's incognito to the fisher people who would certainly have tormented so powerful a person by all sorts of petitions two local watchmen who had happened to be on the hillside at the moment of the crime gave evidence that confirmed the valet's lengthy statement hidden by some under wood they had seen gabriel rush upon the prince and had distinctly heard the last words of the dying man calling murder all the witnesses even those summoned at the request of the prisoner made his case worse by their statements which they tried to make favourable thus the court with its usual perspicacity and its infallible certainty succeeded in establishing the fact that prince eligi of Brancalioni, having taken a temporary dislike to town life had retired to the little island of nisida there to give himself up peaceably to the pleasure of fishing for which he had at all times had a particular predilection a proof appeared among the documents of the case that the prince had regularly been present every other year at the tunny fishing on his property at palermo. That when once he was thus hidden in the island, Gabriel might have recognized him, having gone with his sister to the procession a few days before, and had no doubt planned to murder him. On the day before the night of the crime, the absence of Gabriel and the discomposure of his father and sister had been remarked towards evening the prince had dismissed his servant and gone out alone as his custom was to walk by the seashore surprised by the storm and not knowing the byways of the island he had wandered round the fisherman's house seeking a shelter then gabriel encouraged by the darkness and by the noise of the tempest which seemed likely to cover the cries of his victim had after prolonged hesitation resolved to commit his crime and having fired two shots at this unfortunate young man without succeeding in wounding him had put an end to him by blows of the axe lastly at the moment when with solomon's assistance he was able to throw the body into the sea the prince's servants having appeared they had gone up to the girl's room and inventing their absurd tale had cast themselves on their knees before the virgin in order to mislead the authorities all the circumstances that poor solomon cited in his son's favour turned against him the ladder at Nisida's window belonged to the fisherman. The dagger which young Branchioloni always carried upon him to defend himself had evidently been taken from him after his death, and Gabriel had hastened to break it so as to destroy, to the best of his power, the traces of his crime. Bastiano's evidence did not receive a minute's consideration. He, to destroy the idea of premeditation, declared that the young fisherman had left him only at the moment when the storm broke over the island, but in the first place, the young diver was known to be Gabriel's most devoted friend and his sister's warmest admirer, and in the second he had been seen to land at Torre during the same hour in which he had affirmed that he was near to Nisida. As for the prince's passion for the poor peasant girl, the magistrates simply shrugged their shoulders at the ridiculous assertion of that, and especially at the young girl's alleged resistance and the extreme measures to which the prince was supposed to have resorted to conquer the virtue of Nisida of Bronchiglione was so young, so handsome, so seductive, and at the same time so cool amid his successes, that he had never been suspected of violence, except in getting rid of his mistresses. Finally, an overwhelming and unanswerable proof overthrew all the arguments for the defence. Under the fisherman's bed had been found a purse with the Bronchiglione arms, full of gold, the purse which, if our readers remember, the prince had flung as a last insult at Gabriel's feet the old man did not lose heart at this fabric of lies after the pleadings of the advocates whose ruinous eloquence he had bought with heavy gold he defended his son himself and put so much truth so much passion and so many tears into his speech that the whole audience was moved and three of the judges voted for an acquittal but the majority was against it and the fatal verdict was pronounced the news at once spread throughout the little island and caused the deepest dejection there the fishers who at the first eruption of force had risen as one man to defend their comrade's cause bowed their heads without a murmur before the unquestioned authority of a legal judgment solomon received unflinchingly the stab that pierced his heart no sigh escaped his breast no tear came to his eyes his wound did not bleed since his son's arrest he had sold all he possessed in the world even the little silver cross left by his wife at her death even the pearl necklace that flattered his fatherly pride by losing its whiteness against his dear nisida's throat the pieces of gold gained by the sale of these things he had sewn into his coarse woollen cap and had established himself in the city he ate nothing but the bread thrown to him by the pity of passers-by and slept on the steps of churches or at the magistrate's door to estimate at its full value the heroic courage of this unhappy father one must take a general view of the whole extent of his misfortune overwhelmed by age and grief he looked forward with solemn calmness to the terrible moment which would bear his son a few days before him to the grave his sharpest agony was the thought of the shame that would envelop his family the first scaffold erected in that gently mannered island would arise for gabriel and that ignominious punishment tarnish the whole population and imprint upon it the first brand of disgrace by a sad transition which yet comes so easily in the destiny of man the poor father grew to long for those moments of danger at which he had formerly trembled those moments in which his son might have died nobly and now all was lost a long life of work of abnegation and of good deeds a pure and stainless reputation that had extended beyond the gulf into distant countries and the traditional admiration rising almost to worship of several generations all these things only served to deepen the pit into which the fisherman had fallen at one blow from his kingly height good fame that divine halo without which nothing here on earth is sacred had disappeared men no longer dared to defend the poor wretch they pitied him his name would soon carry honour with it and Nisida, poor orphan would be nothing to anyone but the sister of a man who had been condemned to death even bastiano turned away his face and wept thus when every respite was over when poor solomon's every attempt had failed People in the town who saw him smile strangely, as though under the obsession of some fixed idea, said to one another that the old man had lost his reason. Gabriel saw his last day dawn, serenely and calmly. His sleep had been deep, he awoke full of unknown joy. A cheerful ray of sunlight falling through the loophole wavered over the fine golden straw in his cell. An autumn breeze, playing around him, brought an agreeable coolness to his brow and stirred in his long hair. The jailer, who, while he had had him in his charge, had always behaved humanely, struck by his happy looks, hesitated to announce the priest's visit, in fear of calling the poor prisoner from his dream. Gabriel received the news with pleasure. He conversed for two hours with the good priest, and shed sweet tears on receiving the last absolution. The priest left the prison with tears in his eyes, declaring aloud that he had never in his life met with a more beautiful, pure, resigned, and courageous spirit. The fisherman was still under the influence of this consoling emotion when his sister entered since the day when she had been carried fainting from the room where her brother had just been arrested the poor girl sheltered under the roof of an aunt and accusing herself of all the evil that had befallen had done nothing but weep at the feet of her holy protectress bowed by grief like a young lily before the storm she would spend whole hours pale motionless detached from earthly things her tears flowing silently upon her beautiful clasped hands When the moment came to go and embrace her brother for the last time, Nisida arose with the courage of a saint. She wiped away the traces of her tears, smoothed her beautiful black hair, and put on her best white dress. Poor child, she tried to hide her grief by an angelic deception. She had the strength to smile. At the sight of her alarming pallor, Gabriel felt his heart wrung. A cloud passed over his eyes. He would have run to meet her, but held back by the chain which fettered him to a pillar of his prison, stepped back sharply and stumbled. Nisida flew to her brother and upheld him in her arms. The young girl had understood him. She assured him that she was well. Fearing to remind him of his terrible position, she spoke volubly of all manner of things, her aunt, the weather, the Madonna. Then she stopped suddenly, frightened at her own words, frightened at her own silence, She fixed her burning gaze upon her brother's brow as though to fascinate him little by little animation returned to her a faint color tinted her hollowed cheeks and gabriel deceived by the maiden's superhuman efforts thought her still beautiful and thanked god in his heart for having spared this tender creature nisida as though she had followed her brother's secret thoughts came close to him pressed his hand with an air of understanding and murmured low in his ear fortunately our father has been away for two days He sent me word that he would be detained in town for us it is different we are young we have courage the poor young girl was trembling like a leaf what will become of you my poor nisida bah i will pray to the madonna does she not watch over us the girl stopped struck by the sound of her own words which the circumstances so cruelly contradicted but looking at her brother she went on in a low tone assuredly she does watch over us she appeared to me last night in a dream she held her child jesus on her arm and looked at me with a mother's tenderness she wishes to make saints of us for she loves us and to be a saint you see gabriel one must suffer well go and pray for me my kind sister go away from the view of this sad place which will eventually shake your firmness and perhaps mine go We shall see each other again in heaven above where our mother is waiting for us our mother whom you have not known and to whom i shall often speak of you farewell my sister until we meet again and he kissed her on the forehead the young girl called up all her strength into her heart for this supreme moment she walked with a firm step having reached the threshold she turned round and waved him a farewell preventing herself by a nervous contraction from bursting into tears but as soon as she was in the corridor a sob broke from her bosom and gabriel who heard it echo from the vaulted roof thought that his heart would break then he threw himself on his knees and lifting his hands to heaven cried i have finished suffering i have nothing more that holds me to life i thank thee my god thou hast kept my father away and hast been willing to spare the poor old man a grief that would have been beyond his strength It was at the hour of noon, after, having exhausted every possible means, poured out his gold to the last piece and embraced the knees of the lowest serving man, that Solomon the fisherman took his way to his son's prison. His brow was so woebegone that the guards drew back, seized with pity, and the jailer wept as he closed the door of the cell upon him. The old man remained some moments without advancing a step, absorbed in contemplation of his son by the tawny gleam of his eye, might be divined that the soul of the man was moved at that instant by some dark project. He seemed nevertheless struck by the beauty of Gabriel's face. Three months in prison had restored to his skin the whiteness that the sun had turned brown. His fine dark hair fell in curls around his neck. His eyes rested on his father with a liquid and brilliant gaze. Never had this head been so beautiful as now, when it was to fall. "'Alas, my poor son!' said the old man there is no hope left you must die i know it answered gabriel in a tone of tender reproach and it is not that which most afflicts me at this moment but you too why do you wish to give me pain at your age why did you not stay in the town in the town the old man returned they have no pity i cast myself at the king's feet at everybody's feet there is no pardon no mercy for us.' "'Well, in God's name, what is death to me? I meet it daily on the sea. My greatest, my only torment is the pain that they are causing you.' "'And I, do you think, my Gabriel, that I only suffer in seeing you die? Oh, it is but a parting for a few days. I shall soon go to join you, but a darker sorrow weighs upon me. I am a strong, I am a man.' He stopped, fearing that he had said too much. Then, drawing near to his son, he said in a tearful voice, "'Forgive me, my Gabriel. I am the cause of your death. I ought to have killed the prince with my own hand. In our country children and older men are not condemned to death. I am over eighty years old. I should have been pardoned. They told me that when, with tears, I asked pardon for you, once more forgive me, Gabriel.' I thought my daughter was dead, I thought of nothing else, and besides, I did not know the law." "'Father, father,' cried Gabriel, touched, "'what are you saying? I would have given my life a thousand times over to purchase one day of yours. Since you are strong enough to be present at my last hour, fear not. You will not see me turn pale. Your son will be worthy of you.' "'And he is to die, to die!' cried Solomon, striking his forehead in despair, and casting on the walls of the dungeon a look of fire that would fain have pierced them. "'I am resigned, father,' said Gabriel gently. "'Did not Christ ascend the cross?' "'Yes,' murmured the old man in a muffled voice. "'But he did not leave behind a sister, dishonored by his death.' These words, which escaped the old fisherman in spite of himself, threw a sudden and terrible light into the soul of gabriel for the first time he perceived all the infamous manner of his death the shameless populace crowding round the scaffold the hateful hand of the executioner taking him by the hair and the drops of his blood besprinkling the white raiment of his sister and covering her with shame oh if i could get a weapon cried gabriel his haggard eyes roaming around it is not the weapon that is lacking answered solomon carrying his hand to the hilt of a dagger that he had hidden in his breast. "'Then kill me, father,' said Gabriel in a low tone, but with an irresistible accent of persuasion and entreaty. "'Oh, yes, I confess it now. The executioner's hand frightens me. and My Nisida, my poor Nisida, I have seen her. She was here just now, as beautiful and as pale as the Madonna Dolorosa. She smiled to hide from me her sufferings. She was happy.' poor girl because she believed you away oh how sweet it will be to me to die by your hand you gave me life take it back father since god will have it so and nisida will be saved oh do not hesitate it would be a cowardice on the part of both of us she is my sister she is your daughter and seeing that his powerful will had subjugated the old man he said help help father and offered his breast to the blow The poor father lifted his hand to strike, but a mortal convulsion ran through all his limbs. He fell into his son's arms, and both burst into tears. "'Poor father,' said Gabriel, "'I ought to have foreseen that. Give me that dagger and turn away. I am young and my arm will not tremble.' "'Oh, no,' returned Solomon solemnly. "'No, my son, for then you would be a suicide. Let your soul ascend to heaven pure. God will give me his strength.' moreover we have time yet and a last ray of hope shone in the eyes of the fisherman. then there passed in that dungeon one of those scenes that words can never reproduce the poor father sat down on the straw at his son's side and laid his head gently upon his knees he smiled to him through his tears as one smiles to a sick child he passed his hand slowly through the silky curls of his hair and asked him countless questions intermingled with caresses in order to give him a distaste for this world he kept on talking to him of the other then with a sudden change he questioned him minutely about all sorts of past matters sometimes he stopped in alarm and counted the beatings of his heart which were hurriedly marking the passage of time tell me everything my child have you any desire any wish that could be satisfied before you die are you leaving any woman whom you loved secretly everything we have left shall be hers i regret nothing on earth but you and my sister you are the only persons whom i have loved since my mother's death well be comforted your sister will be saved oh yes i shall die happy do you forgive your enemies with all the strength of my heart i pray god to have mercy on the witnesses who accused me may he forgive me my sins how old is it that you will soon be the old man asked suddenly for his reason was beginning to totter and his memory had failed him i was twenty-five on All hallow's day true it was a sad day this year you were in prison do you remember how five years ago on that same day i got the prize in the regatta at venice tell me about that my child and he listened his neck stretched forward his mouth half open, his hands in his son's. A sound of steps came in from the corridor, and a dull knock was struck upon the door. It was the fatal hour. The poor father had forgotten it. The priests had already begun to sing the death hymn. The executioner was ready. The procession had set out, when Solomon the fisherman appeared suddenly on the threshold of the prison, his eyes aflame and his brow radiant with the halo of the patriarchs. The old man drew himself up to his full height, and raising in one hand the reddened knife, said in a sublime voice, The sacrifice is fulfilled. God did not send his angel to stay the hand of Abraham. The crowd carried him in triumph. The details of this case are recorded in the archives of the criminal court at Naples. We have changed nothing in the age or position of the persons who appear in this narrative. One of the most celebrated advocates in the Neapolitan bar secured the acquittal of the old man. End of Section 3 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia End of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 4, Part 3, Nisida by Alexandre Dumas, translated by George Burnham Ives